0: Thank you for listening to Recyclables. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the program, the best way to do that is to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, The next best way is to make a donation either through the ACAST app or at our Patreon, which is just patreon forward slash recyclables.com. Until next time, thank you. Hello and welcome to another Recyclables! I, 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 I apologize for my aggression there. This is the first of a three-part series on, yeah, as the title implies, Justice League of America, but the A's for Anarchy. A uh, little, little, little backstory on this episode. Way back in last year, when we had Nova on, She mentioned Nova Starlust, the dominatrix, friend of the pod, uh, mentioned how she liked the podcast because she thought it was like fan theories for history. That made me want to have a fan theory about a show. And so I developed one for Justice League of America, a cartoon that I knew a lot of people in my age group had probably seen, something that I knew my kid enjoyed, but also something that I figured someone a little bit older than me might not hate watching either. Uh, and, and it got me to realizing, well, in order to explain my conspiracy theory about the show, I needed to explain greater historical context. And so I decided to do an episode in which we explain, and then I wanted to explain kind of a little bit of the love of comics. And then we kind of have a little bit of fun for the last episode. I hope fun. Uh, that brings me to my second thing. I want to thank the guest of today's show, Butter, for being on. They are a uh, head bitch in charge of Butterface Creations, <laughs> uh, and they are an artist that has collaborated with the show a number of times. The artwork that you usually see, not, not the news dump stuff, but the stuff for recyclables, uh, and sometimes the things I use for shows uh, have been done by Butter a number of times. And patrons actually get a discount of 10% off if they mention the magical word when they place their order. That brings me to my next thing, which is we are in the midst of a holiday birthday schedule kind of weirdness. The usual week or so between cycle of episodes is probably going to be there. But if there's a particularly longer delay, just so you know, December is my birthday month as well as Christmas. Uh, if you want to help me celebrate my birthday, a great way you can do that. One of my favorite things that I ask people to do is just go do something nice. That's that's uh, kind of my preference. Please don't post it to my social media. It really makes me uncomfortable, and uh, I, I, I block people who do that. So it's it's nothing personal. It, I mean, it's very personal, but it's nothing against you. Um, but if you want to do something really nice for somebody else, and then just be like "Happy Birthday, PTP," because you can't afford to, that would be that would be cool with me. At the start of January is is may see some delay in episodification. I do not know for sure yet. Uh, stay tuned. That was the point of that. Thanks for listening to me ramble. Let's get on with the show. Uh, speaking of there, let's 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 do the intros before I forget. This is recyclables. Alright, here we go
1: again.
0: And we are joined by a special they guest. Uh, that they would be uh, they <laughs> vest they vest.
1: Folks, it's a they. It's, it's a they. <laughs> uh oh. Let's make it sound as hot bad as possible. We have a they here.
0: Thank you for representing all the theys.
2: Howdy. Uh, gosh, uh, no government name for me today. This is Butter, aka Lisa Frank Reynolds, aka Brosit Pro Star, aka The Art Hokage, aka HBIC of Butterface Creations.
1: Uh, they just finished up a TMN- TMNTO.
2: TMNTOBER. Tober. 30 days straight of Ninja Turtles characters, so my ability to draw furry porn should be peak.
0: At this point, uh, except my
2: anatomy is still garbage, so it's just kind of okay.
0: Weird penises all the way down. Oh yeah,
2: oh yeah. Uh, Speaking
0: of speaking of weird penises, actually, that's a weird intro.
1: No, no, no. Great segue. We Mm -hmm. also have another Mm -hmm. guest today.
0: Occasional uh, co-host. Like a ninety-degree penis. It is myself
3: uh Corey, partner of Rochelle
1: His penis is totally fine. There's nothing weird about it. Yeah, I genitals in general. Weird. They're genitals just weird. In general. That hot in general.
0: take being brought to you by Rochelle <laughs> Cody. strong with the peen discourse.
1: Hot take from Rochelle Cody all your genitals disgust me.
0: Uh, <laughs> hot take from Patrick Thomas Perkins, aka PTP. I'm I'm gender. I'm I'm genital. It depends. You know, genital right? neutral. Yeah, I'm genital. It depends on it depends on the genital bearer. Or the amount the of person. cash the genital bearer has. Like it's kind of yeah, it's an either or sort of situation. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even made it past the intro and we're
3: miles off topic.
0: Yeah, no, that's fine. That's perfect. <laughs> no, no, no. This will. I, move I back love around. that. It'll love move that. back around. That's the magic of you editing. Know, I will probably right. cut out my own sluttery maybe we'll see uh Genitals. that's called branding pads. you can't do that no, no
1: don't cut out your own yeah, sluttery. no that's brand buddy
0: no fair, junk, fair. Junk, I, junk, do, junk, I do i do have
1: junk junk to... junk 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 more would... junk more junk i
0: may need to like open up that avenue of revenue again just be like <laughs> all right just buy the nudes just <laughs> <laughs> yeah Any... do you want to see ptp's weird penis Speaking of weird penis Weirdly. art, there we go. There we go. Weird penises and art. I made it circle. Uh, we we invited butter here for uh, a number of reasons. One, uh, long time listener, first time caller. Well, yes. I think you've been long time supporter. Yeah, yes, yeah. You've Patreon been on from
2: day one. And, no and big deal.
0: And when That's this comes out cheeks. should be when we're trying to promote the Patreon online more. So like okay. that, the perfect alignment there. Yeah. Uh, also I've just known you forever and uh-huh. you're you're kind of a cool person. Oh,
2: God, like what, a decade plus now? Yeah,
0: I knew you when yeah. you had a band uh yes. Yeah. And we
1: previously had one of your partners on. Yes. Uh to talk about sex work.
0: Yup. Yeah.
1: And then we talked about Sesta and Fosta, obviously, because that pretty much goes very hand important. in hand with that. Yep. Um, so we and I mean I've been following your art channel ever since then, and I've always appreciated it. and you talked to me on your live once, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah! TikTok Live is a depressing hellscape.
2: Oh, okay. oh god, I haven't done one in forever too. Same, Bye. I'm so on and off with TikTok though. It was easier to do uh, when I wasn't employed. It's
1: so, like I I just got done with talking and dealing with people. I don't want to deal with strangers on the internet. Now. And it's
2: well, I don't even think it's not that I, I don't have ideas for them. Like I like TikTok as an avenue for, for oh, that but it's shit.
1: exhausting a little
2: bit. Yeah, uh, and just finding the time to do it too. And I I just insist on doing things a certain way. So like just finding the time to do it, it's a pain. I think, uh, Christ, I think out of, because I've posted there a lot recently because I did a lot of stuff for Halloween because I had a fun costume. But I feel like most of my TikToks, if you look at the last like five of them, I think one of them is me just talking some random shit. Three of them are kind of thirst trappy and two of them are art.
1: You I don't know think I've I mean? ever done a TikTok thirst trap. I'm just not constantly.
2: They're just thirst trap I adjacent. Think. I just say that because I'm sexy. Yeah,
0: <laughs> every every day of butter is e- butter's existence is a thirst trap. Like, I got
1: thirst traps is, for my cat. Does that yeah. count? There's a lot of cat thirst traps. Yeah, because my cat's hot.
0: Is that just you with like a bowl? Like here, kitty, kitty. Harriet's kitty. like
1: Harriet's like uh, Tommy Lairn. She's hot, but everything she says is garbage. Oh, okay, okay, that's, you know. So I that, just mute her.
0: <laughs> that checks out. Problematic uh, figure Harriet the cat uh i gather I, I also invited you here today because uh you're a bit you're you're a cartoon person
2: i uh, almost exclusively watch cartoons actually yes
0: and and if if people clicked on this episode it's gonna be i've already got envisioned in my head the name it's jla but the a is for anarchy nice that's that's gonna be so so listeners are kind of already looped into something is going on uh and this episode is gonna use uh i think by the end of it the, the like pin at the top of the episode is that we're gonna, I hopefully be able to use the Justice League to explain, at least to a casual person, kind of some of the, the concepts of anarchy. Uh, and we invited Cory on because Cory probably knows more about comic books than the rest of us combined and is the owner of all of the, the, Jesus Christ, just all of the DC animated I I
3: mean, I don't have Static Shock because I don't think they've released it on Blu-ray yet, Um, and I'm not going to get the Zeta project because I don't fucking care. Fair.
2: I don't even know what the heck the Zeta Project is. Case in point. the second time I've heard about it today.
0: Case in point. So,
1: my my stake Christ. in this episode is literally nothing. The extent <sighs> of animated DC things that I have watched is some of Harley Quinn and the Lego Batman movie is the best Well, that the
2: Harley Quinn show is actually Did really I, good. Yeah. It has no business being so good, though I have not had a lot of fun paying attention to the most recent season. I don't think it's as captivating. I haven't, I haven't grabbed the show. most
0: recent one, but I just haven't had time.
1: I, that was me setting my stakes in this: is that I don't
2: care. Well, so I you, think you've seen some like non-canonical to the stuff that we'll be talking about. Yeah,
1: soon. and I mean, I know enough about the lore that I will recognize a lot of what you're time out, and I've lived with him long enough to have too much of this information in my head. Comparison to Look, what I want in my head. I've got so. multiple
3: long oh, yeah. boxes that are entirely full, as well as multiple bookshelves with omnibuses of multiple runs, plus I have the entire DCAU that is available on Blu-ray.
2: The the DCAU is really good as, like, a generalization thing, too. Like, if you don't know anything of DC, and you just want to, like, know... Uh Know some really good stories about it and shit. Uh, it, just just watch all those. Just watch the DC shows. The great adaptations of the work that aren't taking it too far, and it's made by people that respect it or who actually made the fucking shit in a lot of um, a lot of circumstances.
1: I like the more out of the ordinary stuff too. Like I like the Shazam movie a lot. That was a really I good really one. enjoyed the second Suicide, mo- Suicide Squad movie, Birds of Prey. I love Doom Patrol. Like I tend <laughs> to enjoy the stuff that's a lot yeah. farther outside of the baseline Superman, Batman. Well, Just that- the stuff
2: gets kind of fucked up, though. I think with, like, Batman and Superman, they're adapting the wrong material, or they're misinterpreting what they are adapting. Or they're
1: readapting the same shit over and over and over Yeah, I don't need to again. see
2: Dark Knight Returns of the 15th time. And that's time.
0: why...
1: I don't need to see it, the most boring Catwoman plot over and over and over again. Well, okay,
0: so the reason I grabbed DCAU for this was A, I figured it would... Everyone has some experience with it, I think in general, at a certain age. Mm-hmm you're You're like better, where your experience with it is you probably watched it more when you were younger, and it's been on as a thing in your background, but you've never there's the lore doesn't necessarily like like the 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 greater universe doesn't really matter to you. not entirely no. yeah. And then there's gonna be Cory who who has literally every episode at his fingertips, right? And more and, or less. Yeah. yeah. and then Rochelle, I think represents the average listener who's like there was. That's right. There was a Justice League yeah. cartoon. series. Like, yeah. They'll, like, they'll know like there's cartoon. a
2: Batman yeah. animated series because, I mean, frankly, if you haven't seen that and somebody kills you, it's not even murder. It's just late term abortion. It's, right?
3: Yeah. Well, it, it's, it is to this day, if you ask outside of the context of comic books, just remove, remove the fact that Batman is a comic book character from the conversation and you just ask, a general kind of population of the United States at this point, in this generation, what are the best animated television shows of all time? Batman the Animated Series is very close to the top, if not at the top it of It better list, be in your top three at for least. For a lot of people. It's going like, to be like Simpsons, Avatar, and Batman You're going to get Avatar The Last Airbender. You're going to, you know, Gravity Falls is going to be and, somewhere in the top ten. Like this, Batman has been there for like 30 fucking years it yeah, Pretty much since 1992 when the first episode came out so it's literally been like why, 30 years that's why I
0: wanted to use uh this universe also like every single had a conversation I do have a weird habit of like not being clear on my audience or or I'm trying to grab a yeah. huge audience in that I am kind of trying to grab little old church ladies and my kiddo at the same time and a bunch of people in the middle, yeah, and like I was like, well, what is more accessible than the Justice League cartoons? Anybody can watch them. It's it's
3: the jumping off point that got me into comic books, to be completely honest.
0: And at the same time I also think it's a great way for people to think about this larger concept because I think anarchy is a thing that people have a variety of experiences with mm-hmm. where it's it's either kind of a very personal I don't I don't know where we range, but I feel like like probably Butter is closer to a more lived anarchic experience than the rest of us, but just it is. Uh, well well. also like i know i know uh with uh living with nova has probably pushed you more politically than most people i know because she's oh, one of God. the people who knows yeah. more like she's one of the people i look to for information right easily i was
2: a, I was an innocent young
0: lad and i i exist at a place where i'm like well i'm i've realized a lot of the things i was doing were anarchic in a sense and i just didn't have the words for it right and i also think there's more people in that position than realize, and so I'm thinking, like, all right, cool. Let's, let's get peanut butter and jelly, and make peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Of let's let's say, hey, watch the Justice League, and if you like some of what you see there, maybe these ideas overlap. But to do that, I wanted to tell some of a little bit of the story of the history of anarchy, and kind of go more in depth into the the theory as I gave it to you.
1: Anarchy is just shopping at Hot Topic, right?
0: Well. No.
1: Oh crap.
2: Anarchy. Definitely not hot topic nowadays. Uh I, I do not think that uh there so it's is back
1: to Spencer's th- there, is, is th- there is
2: no there is no sense of anarchy in buying a Funko Pop. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh,
3: there is a little bit of anarchy in taking a Funko Pop that you got some way, shape, or form, and then modifying the absolute crap out of it so that it no longer looks like or represents the initial thing that it was. I can't or you talk.
1: remove it from the package. I can't talk
2: too much shit. I do own several Funko Pops. Fun. And I, have, <coughs> I have one that I made of myself.
1: Ooh,
0: so. Wow. Anarchy, strictly speaking, is a word that just means no rulers. You know, it comes No hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. Uh that, that that comes more in the philosophy. It comes if you want just the word, the word just just is one of those weird things where we mash uh, Latin and Greek, and and it's like monarchy.
2: You were th- starting this off with the Webster's
1: Dictionary defines yeah.
0: anarchy as. So the the strict word is, yeah, no, the, the Webster's word, no leaders. Other examples of words that have similar notions to anarchy are like monarchy, which means just one ruler. Mm-hmm. Uh, a theocracy is... is, is Religious
1: ruler. Yeah, yep.
0: yeah. So it's it's a vein in that the philosophy
1: oligarchy is ruled by old people,
0: more or less. It's it's oligarchy old, old rich people. Uh, specifically, it's an elite group and or cabal. If you want to get, because I looked into it for this, more to like because sure. they're old. I will. My they problem, are bald. I know that's and okay, oldish. My problem yeah. is every time I see the We're word cabal, old adjacent in in magic, there was a bad guy organization called the cabal that like ruled this continent. And oh yeah, like, Cabal
1: is never used in like a positive and context. So every like, uh, now, oh, now, we're a good Cabal.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I'm sure there's a bunch of. No, bet we're you, the
1: good Cabal. I'll
0: bet you there was one Cabal. There that is, like, there is one good Cabal.
2: Yeah, they're a character in Mortal Kombat Three, and they fucking own. Can we I
1: call ourselves it. the cab-
2: the recyclables Cabal?
1: We can. We're taking oh, it Oh, yo,
2: yo! When you set up your LLC and you have to assign official titles to yourself, instead of having a board of directors, you could legitimately call it a Cabal. Because you, you can assign your own titles. That's why I was an HBIC instead of a CEO, right? We, CEO is stupid. I don't want to be one of those. We might do that. Charge, I got that.
0: History is great. Anarchy as a philosophy, strictly speaking, came about in the 1840s. But also kind of in the 1860s. Is this
1: the white origins of it? Because I know there are Afro uh, yes. origins of, of of anarchy that I think were either before that or around that time. There's a couple good YouTube resources yeah. that we can there, put there's, in our there's defi-
0: The way I was reading was that it came afterwards, anarchy. Yeah, and I don't know enough yeah.
1: about it, but I do know that there is some conversation about it.
0: So feel free to do research, and this can be one of the ones that eventually we will get around to a, like, oops, I fucked up episode again, and if that's Tell the case. Tell how she's wrong. Yeah. She wants it. Oh, yeah. She absolutely. needs it. However, if you at home are listening and tallying and keeping score of all of, of start my p- Yeah, feel free to recite a uh, message, PTP p- Comedian. I should know my own Sound email. off in the comments. Yes. Yeah. You
1: can find us everywhere. So this is
0: the Eurocentric history then for sure. Uh, but what I was going to say is before all of that happens, there's a few tenets to anarchy as a philosophy and a few things that come before that that tend to have kind of informed it. Uh, anarchy, as a philosophy, just calls for a society that has no class, no state, and no hierarchy. Um, hierarchy is the idea that, like, people can be above each other in any fashion. And when they say no hierarchy, they mean mostly kind of unnatural hierarchies, i.e., I'm better than you because I was born with the most money, right? However, if I... Have the most information on a thing, then I should probably be the one dispensing at least like some of my wisdom back and forth to people.
1: Now let's make everyone doctors.
0: Yes. That
1: ish everyone dentists too i want everybody
0: Uh, i mean i'm down for that that would be i would be (laughs) on board with that but in that scenario like the idea would be like look since you know dentistry yeah obviously you're the dentist and we're going to yield to your your opinion but we're not going to assume that you are the god of dentistry we're going to assume you know the most about dentistry and we will you'll relate that information yeah i
1: feel like anarchy is not necessarily removing any any and all hierarchies it's about assessing all of them and whether or not they serve the purpose of benefiting us collectively
0: and like all political ideologies it's also on a spectrum there are some people who are like no fucking abolish all of that get rid of all of that make like you're saying make everybody a dentist make it so that everybody has equal access to all of the information of dentistry and then you're all dentists which as improbable as that may seem there are also people who are like no there should be Some hierarchy, so I feel better about my... I mean, I don't want to prescribe what their notions are. The other one is no class. Class is a a form of hierarchy, but specifically relating to privilege, wealth, access to resources, and access to the concept of the state, which is the other big no-no for anarchists. The state isn't necessarily the concept of a government, but it is definitely the concept of a bureaucratical government That uh, consolidates power and keeps it out of the hands of the majority. How different people address or believe in that kind of changes based on where they are in the spectrum. Some of the kind of earliest, earliest, earliest examples, um, the earliest influences, prehistoric influences on anarchy is that we know we formed a society. Right? Like, we know that, like, out of disparate elements, a bunch of people came together and were like, well, I guess we should be together. We'd probably be better off if we were all working somewhat together. Yeah, it is a lot
3: easier to take down a woolly mammoth with, like, seven or eight of us versus just, like, me
2: and my bro.
1: Yeah,
2: exactly.
3: And it's
1: a lot easier (laughs) to take care of the children and in the infirm if you have additional people. So, like, community. I don't know, you
2: guys want to just get together and do this more often, mm-hmm. like, on yeah. the regular? Like, I don't also, know, like, I don't want to push things, Hey maybe man. daily?
3: Daily'd be great. Tell you what, the more we need more numbers, it's probably a lot easier to make more of us in a fuck pile. Yeah. No, totally. totally.
2: Hey. I want more of okay, Cave now. Caveman Now, now it takes the village. So We're tune in have... when our
3: band uh, releases its first EP, Caveman
0: Fuckpile. Um... The recyclables for DP. yes. That's not dissimilar to theories that have presented in previous episodes, like the History of Vice, where like we think a lot of how communities came together were people being like, you've got beer, uh, you've got bread, you've got meat. I have a bunch of daughters or sons, depending upon your interests. Like, I just, upon, I just got a bunch of... Yeah, Just let's, let's, let's hang out and party. Another thing that we know prehistorically, though, is, is mutual aid is a big deal in anarchy. And mutual aid is just the concept of we help each other. We don't necessarily need a state to come in and provide aid. We'll do it ourselves. Well, there's a great deal of evidence that prehistoric, uh, cave, air quotes, cave people, uh, who had things like amputations who were disabled in some fashion who couldn't contribute again in air quotes who were still a part of the village who were still a part of so- society such as it was and civilization such as it was so we know that it existed in in prehistory in a fashion probably with fuck piles hopefully maybe the disabled in my hope were coordinating the fuck piles to like like whatever anyway uh making sure that
3: they were inclusive yeah
0: and the early the early history of humanity has a lot of we don't know what actual the structures of leadership were before historical records? Yeah, and before, before things. we wrote shit down. And as was discussed in the kind of history of archaeology and the uh, uh, recent episode with DJ Wildchild, all of archaeology is being examined by ninety-eight percent white dudes who live in either America or Europe. Which means we're putting a lot of we're projecting a lot into history, and so the assumption that like oh. This place was ruled by chiefs or whatever. Could just be us being like, well, you gotta got you gotta have a guy in charge. Like I have a king, so you gotta have a king. there was a
3: there an, was a an interview that I, I watched recently with uh, an indigenous American person who was talking about the fact that the word chief did not exist in any indigenous culture. Yeah. That is something that was imposed upon them. By white people coming, like, colonizers coming through. And just being like, oh, this is the dude in charge. They're the chief. And then all the indigenous people are like, what? What?
2: Yeah. So and then, no,
0: no, you're the chief. And then what ends up happening is you create power dynamics inside of those villages because of that. Because then that guy's like, well, you guys in the village don't have to know that I've told him I'm the chief. Like, like... As long as I'm the only one trading, he doesn't have to know I'm not the chief, and then I get all kinds of privileges that I wasn't getting before, and then I can tell him, hey, I lost all my shit, and if you guys help me, then I'll be in power, and then I show up with, like, a bunch of white dudes and rifles, and I'm like, yeah, murder those guys, white guys. I'm in charge now, everyone. Anyone have a problem with that? Like, history's great. Uh, that sounds
2: like the plot of a sitcom until you get to the part where it's taken over.
0: Yeah. So tell
3: that's them, a really sad Jerry Seinfeld bass riff. Until <laughs> the murders.
0: Uh, and, but, but another example is like, we in the Pacific Northwest, we, whatever. In the Pacific Northwest, they would have like councils of elders that advised everybody, but it was oftentimes kind of a, 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 a tribal decision, a, a group house decision to be like, all right, what are we doing here? And the re- opinions that were respected the most were the matriarchs, because they were like, well, you had the most kids, and we know specifically that the kids came from you, like, if we want to follow lineage, so like, y'all are in charge, what should we do? Which is, and it's important also to note that indigenous american cultures aren't prehistoric cultures so we don't even know what prehistoric cultures are we just know cultures that didn't have european influence behave in a certain way based on how the europeans observed them so like our understanding of that is just as whack as you were saying and then we apply all of that to something that was going on in like Sub Saharan Africa 9,000 years ago. Like it's, it's, so we don't know what there was, but we do know to a certain extent that there were a lot of models of leadership that weren't, you have all the power. It was more, you have all the experience. Also, a lot of these places probably did have some kind of class structure and some form of strong enough hierarchy that they continued to be like, hey, you guys are the hunters and have a job that's related to this. And you guys are the basket weavers and have a job that's related to this. And you get certain perks and you get certain perks. So, like, it's, again, not a one-to-one to anarchy, but the early influences feed into themselves. The next, probably one of the biggest influences, happened. Um, I don't know how familiar you guys are with Roman history. There's this dude that occurred, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus have you heard of him? Have you?
3: I think, uh, if I'm I remember gonna, correctly, like his name actually is just like a translation of a translation of a translation of a translation
0: of basically Josh.
2: Yeah, like
3: I've, he was just a dude named
2: Josh. I've
0: heard that one and Jose. I've heard, yeah, I've heard it, then it just it changed over and over again until it was like, Jesus, that uh, sounds more mythical. We're going to go with that. But, uh again, yeah. A, at some point, I will retire this bit where I pretend like very popular history things are obscure, but I still love it every time. No, no. R- write it to death. But B, um... Jesus not the not the church that comes about, but the initial dude Jesus, the things that we seem to believe that his his message and or a number of people who were similar to him spoke messages that were against the state at the time, which was the roman empire and and to be fair, it was not the state such as we know it it was it was it was the concept of how the empire affected your day to day life is definitely not dissimilar to how d c affects our day to day life. But it's not a one-to-one, because they didn't have, like, the ability to tap into our phones and shit. They didn't have, like, police units in every city that responded to... F- like, like it, The
2: technology definitely but, wasn't there.
3: And it also wasn't, like... It, it wasn't entirely just against that kind of state as well. It was against the... He he was opposed to a lot of the state that had been created within the, hierarchy the, within the church itself, itself. Yeah. right? And, and within the faith itself, too.
0: Yeah. Um, Using Jesus as a source is always dubious. A because the, because because you're using you're using a myth, a, like, like a character from the
1: Bible's hundred percent true.
0: All right, let's pretend. Let it, let's pretend that's right. How many times has the Bible been translated and retranslated right. and changed? And one of the most popular translations is literally a king of England being like, "Well,
1: I didn't like it this way." Yeah, so
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna change I'm gonna change things around so I like it. But if you highlight the letters in red, you know, then it's cool. That was that was why, as a kid, why I was on board with the King James, because I was like, well, now I know which parts Jesus said. They're in red. Like, <laughs> anyway, the the Jesus also has a number of things that he says that are are um, pre-interpretation, uh, not just anti-state, but also about mutual aid. One of the, the my favorite examples is the story of the Good Samaritan. For those of you not familiar with the story, uh, this dude gets the shit beat out of him. And then he's just left for dead in the road.
1: And he's obviously, I think he was coded as a Jewish person. Yeah, and so he's it was coded... like, a Jewish person is beat the shit out and he's on the side of the road. Three different people walk by.
0: Well, there's, things. yeah, yeah, there's a, 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 a priest, a lawyer, and I guess and it's then a, a, a Samaritan, a, a, I'm which
1: are, I'm assuming are traveling people. And
0: well, well, priest is supposed to, you would assume the priest does it because they're a holy person, but then they're like, no. I, I touching you might get blood on me. That's a sin. And there are there are certain religious stipulations against getting like blood on you and stuff and on your holy clothes. And you're not supposed to do things on the Sabbath and blah blah blah. And then uh, the next person was supposed to be like a lawyer. So like they didn't do it because like it wasn't their litigious responsibility. And Samaritans are coded as kind of the crappy people of the time. They're they're a lower class people. Are they
1: coded kind of like the Romani people in modern history. Yeah, a little
0: bit. Yeah, like they're coded as somebody who you wouldn't expect to help somebody because they're a piece of shit, and instead they're the one that gives us—or not a piece of shit—they're the lowest class, and they're one low of low class. Well, I think
2: I think a lot of people would just assume low class people are pieces of shit. Yeah, and yeah. so
0: it's all coded that way, so that when that's the person that does it, a a goes into my theory that Jesus might have also been a stand-up comedian because you got like set up, and then you got two fake outs that are also kind of funny because oh, ah no, I'm a holy man. I can't. I, I it'd be a sin to help you. I mean, like, this, this whole thing
2: does sound like. A joke. They might as well be walking into a bar. Yeah.
0: I'm and and they do. A North oh, or a please blonde. tell me it ends at a bar. There is an end where he drops off the, the Samaritan drops off the guy who's been beat up and he's like, hey, uh, whatever extra fees he incurs, I come this way all the time. Just hit me up and I'll pay you back. Put like, it on my tab. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, there isn't, in at Jesus the end Christ. of the job. yeah. Uh, and so, like, there's that. The the other one, one of my favorite examples, uh, a thing where Jesus is talking to a bunch of people. Uh, he doesn't do that very much, does, so this is important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he only stops at the one. But he, he has a line where he says, Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, unto God's what is, Give God. is God. So and, he's
1: separating religion and state.
0: Yes, and uh, of equal importance, um, when he's talking about Caesar, he is talking about the earthly world specifically. Like, the context is to say the Empire of Rome, which is to say all of this place that we live. And and the context he's trying to say is you have to acknowledge physical, material things. And then, like, don't worry, your soul will like, – like, no matter how much hard work you have to do down here, your soul. So I always thought it was a, the thing you said, but it's also, like, a little bit more where it's like – no give give to the world the things the world needs do 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 deeds in the world and like don't worry about your soul because your soul's already assigned and uh finally like the part to me that at least acknowledges a kind of breakdown of hierarchy more than just, our class more than anything else is when Jesus is dying, he's killed alongside two thieves and he's like, nah, these guys are coming with me. Like, if I get into heaven, these guys are getting into heaven, which is highly reflective of a person who, hundreds, thousands of years later, not exactly an anarchist, but a guy named Eugene Debs has a great quote that I think about a lot where he's like, if there's a criminal class, I'm among it. Where he was saying, like, it, you, you can't call these people bad guys and not call me one of them too. There's no there's no distinction there's we're all we're the same we're
2: yeah. out here doing similar shit
0: we're well, living the same <clears throat> way
1: and it's like this whole idea that if you've committed a crime you you like give up all of your rights as a human being or at least a citizen and like that just doesn't make yeah. sense cuz it's like that's not that's not the That should not be the follow-through consequence of making a mistake, that you no longer have any say in the community. And
0: so that is why I will make a distinction between, I think, the teachings of Jesus have an influence on what will eventually become anarchists and and christianity is a different like the church ends up kind of replacing the roman empire in a lot of weird ways and so like it ends up becoming the state but uh in that time period in the medieval period another thing happens that greatly influences the anarchists or people that will eventually kind of influence anarchists um there is the black plague and with the black plague the population actually changes for a while there is not exactly like an an equilibrium of rich and poor, but there's enough rich to kind of take on the poor because a lot of being rich means you buy weapons and armor and shit. And when you're poor, you can't afford that. And like, if I'm the only one with an armor and sword, even if I'm not, like, that much of a badass, I'm much more likely to be able to take the three of you down, for example. Like, even as broken as I am, Iron Man, the documentary, has shown us, like, what, what modern weaponry can do in that sense. But in ancient times, like, pre-Black Death, there was a certain amount of, like, well, look, there's, like, seven lords. And they've got, like, seven dudes underneath them each, and they're all armored. And it doesn't matter if there's a hundred of us, because they can just stand in a line and stab us all the black death comes along and the ratios kind of change a bit and it ends up being like, Oh, there's a lot less lords than there used to be. And so there's a lot of peasant uprisings. There's also a lot of instances of the peasants being like, well, you're kind of a dickhead. So we're going to move. And what are you going to do about it? You don't have soldiers to keep us in place. And so there, there becomes some amount of incentives to keep people in your kingdom to do poor people's shit, to to farm, to mine, or whatever. Uh, but those uprisings and those uh, uh, revolts are a lot of also a thing that ends up being noted as a thing that influences the people that end up getting into anarchy. And the other thing that influences the creation of anarchy is kind of the creation of its in- antithesis, which is the production and creation of the concept of capitalism, which also doesn't get coded until about the 1860s. But capitalism, just as a word... Is a system that prioritizes the creation of capital in the interest of those who control capital, i.e., capitalists. Uh, Yeah, and to 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 make that even more simple, capitalism is the concept that like I can take a huge amount of wealth and reinvest that into other people. And acquire wealth from them. But the the basic point is, the thing that ends up being interesting, and we've talked about this in the karaoke episode in particular, is the generational wealth that existed before kind of nicely transfers over into capitalist wealth. Generational wealth being like, oh, I own the land, and capitalist wealth being like, oh, I own the factory where the things are made. And so I own like the things that are made. So I get it like that relationship transfers across pretty easily. It just happens over a longer period of time. And there are more interlopers between like 1300 and now, whereas in Japan, like they did it like 1850 or whenever the fuck that dude showed up to like 1910. Like they just fast tracked about a thousand years and like 50 years. But
2: Speedrunning,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> the original speedrun in yeah. Japan with capitalism, oh, yeah. they went from yeah, and <clears throat> things things that come along because of that. The capital specifically is just a word that means like kind of like your 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 assets, like your your not just your money, but the things you own. And in in the system, you're able to both invest in this, and you're also able to take loans out against things like a business. In, in olden times, one of the best examples I heard described of it. When you're wealthy in like the early teens, like the 1300s, you build a thing. Right, because you you,
1: build like a palace, you build a castle, yeah. You build a
0: wall. In ancient times, you would you would give money to the the whatever the religious embodiment or local like the local temple was to show like oh this person's so amazing they can influence the gods. In the Middle Ages, you do what you're talking about, like you you pay for things and people are like oh that's that dude's things. As industrialization industrialization comes along, you can you you start being like oh he owns the factory. And he owns that apartment complex, and he owns, like, the horse carriage business. And that's how you know that person's wealthy, is they own those things. Because Trump Tower has a giant, golden (laughs) version of his name directly outside the entryway.
2: It's the gold that lets you know it's his.
0: Yeah, uh, that that line of thinking totally does exist today, but under the way things work, it's much more useful, uh, that piece of property as a thing to get loans against or to pretend it's worth more so that you can accrue wealth. Until he turns it in, like until he has to sell it, it's worth as much as he convinces anyone it's worth. So like I I can convince anyone the the stool in front of us is worth a thousand dollars and get a thousand dollar loan against it. And like that's fine until somebody has to sell it and they find out it's like a $10, I don't want to ins- It's a $20 stool, I don't want to insult You got the mean,
1: shit
2: Pottery Barn
1: it, No, I stole it Nice. Um, <laughs> I have two of them better. I stole them from bars
3: so what she's trying to say is no matter what price you sell
0: this stool for, it is a net gain. Yeah. It is a profit. Yeah, it's all profit.
1: But that's real. That's really <laughs> capitalism because, I mean, you're stealing.
0: Well, that, that is a thing, yeah, because one <laughs> of the things that, that starts the early influence of uh, anarchism is the privatization of property during the English Civil War. Uh, there is a podcast I recommend all the time, Revolutions Podcast. They cover a lot of the things that I'm going to try to go into more succinctly from here on out but during there there's an english civil war long story short the king is like i don't want to have my power checked and so i won't call parliament uh and then parliament's like cool do you want money and he's like oh fuck i forgot about how that's how our rules are set up and then war happens it's more complicated than that but that's really like the long and the short of it but while that happens there's there's a period called there's another thing important about anarchy is a lot of Points in history will be called the English anarchy or the Spanish anarchy or the whatever -er anarchy. (laughs) They should have called it that. Right? Yeah, that's Um, catchy. But all it means is that there's a time where there's no decided leader. Before Cromwell takes power in England, and Cromwell's this dude who, like, owns an army and kind of creates the position that will eventually be prime minister but he sort of is in charge when the king gets killed but he's not in charge so a lot of the little lords are all like well maybe i am uh, maybe we are maybe whatever like while that happens a thing that had been instituted was the privatization of property there was a thing called the commons which was property in a city or in the in a lord's manner that everyone had ac- common access Just for to. The
2: common use yeah
0: and so if you were super poor, you could put a house up on there. Uh, if you were slightly less poor, you might farm there for the community. If you were uh, like an itinerant traveler, you just stop there and we're like, hey, please don't murder me for being on your land. I'm on the commons kind of thing.
1: And also I have shit to trade.
0: Yeah. And over, over the course of time, though, this gets... Closed off and privatized, and becomes owned by the lords. Usually, although sometimes, like a clever business owner or whatever, can get is there in on
1: occasionally
0: it. Occasionally, a lady. Uh, less, less. You, you know how history I know. goes, so I just wanted to say,
1: <laughs> lady.
0: <laughs> but what happens is there's a group of people called the Levellers, the Diggers, and the Ranters, and they're actually covered on an episode of Cool People Who Do Cool Stuff, uh, very in depth. But basically. Uh, they, they hear about this and they're like, fuck no, to some extent. And either the – if I remember right, the levelers like literally broke down fences and stuff. And then the – who did I say the second piece? The diggers uh, kind of redistributed property amongst each other. And uh, the ranters were just apparently just crazy people who would like go around London and be like, you, you can't take the comments. Just don't. <laughs> right? But uh, there weren't a lot of these people. There were, my understanding is, like, in some cases, less than 100 in the most populous of the movements. But they wrote down what they did. And because the ideas are all rooted in Christianity— one of the things the levelers in particular are about is they're about leveling. They believe when God comes, he will level the classes. So the the rich will be brought low and the meek will be made mighty, I think is their thing. The meek which, shall inherit things. Yeah. And that's that's also another one of Jesus' big, big pitching points is like, hey, poor people can have this eventually. Right? It's like, so
1: wild that the Roman Empire and then European colonialism – Took that phrase to mean "we'll kill you so you'll be better in heaven."
2: Because that's like, what they.
1: Damn.
2: But then also, damn. me and my lifestyle aren't probably going to get me into heaven, so they're really just killing me to send me to hell.
1: Yeah, it's just really wild. It's wild that like something Give they Satan
2: a fist bump on presha- your way in. Like, I mean, if i if I'm going to hell, it's a real doom situation.
1: It's wild that, like you were saying, a lot of Jesus' ideology can be very empowering, liberating, and also borderline anarchist. But then you see that it gets co-opted and then bastardized and used to create more oppression.
3: The point gets made very, very often online of, like, if Jesus came back right now and tried to participate in a lot of what the current Christian zeitgeist is, he would be a laughingstock. Yeah. No yeah. one would take him and what he
0: said seriously. He'd
1: be a beta cut.
0: He, he definitely <laughs> has a, a theology of liberation, as they as they put it, of, of freedom and a kind of anti or or an abolitionist stance there we go not anti-abolitionist but an abolitionist as i'm sure as a guy who was murdered by the equivalent of the roman police i'm pretty sure he would be for defunding the police uh
2: there if if i can interject with something about this there's a comic i read uh once written by garth ennis who's uh i think he created the boys and shit like that for a little bit of recent relevance uh called the chronicles of wormwood and it's about the antichrist But he doesn't want to be the Antichrist because he hates his dad, right? Uh, So he's actually best friends with Jesus. But Jesus came back uh, as a black revolutionary, and uh, the police actually gave him brain damage in the L.A. riots. So Jesus, don't even know he's Jesus. He just hangs out at a bar all day waiting for his buddy, the Antichrist, and his talking rabbit, Jimmy, to come by and have a beer with him.
1: That sounds pretty Um,
2: dope. Garth Ennis has a tendency to be a little too edgy with his writing, but that one's pretty good. It's not bad.
3: Yeah, so I would argue that you're totally right on that. Yeah, like, yeah, yes. I couldn't do Ennis's uh, Punisher.
2: Yeah. I
3: couldn't. And yeah. There were moments of it that were brilliant, but oh, there was my so much my favorite Punisher is like, oh,
2: always going to be when they turned him into a Frankenstein anyway, so I got no That shit was great. No horse in this race? <laughs> uh,
0: uh, I
1: just uh, like how the Punisher is there for the cops.
0: I do. Know? I <laughs>
1: I just really like to know that everyone is recognizing how pro cop the Punisher, is. because that is the Punisher, right? Oh my he God. likes cops. Yeah, He's no. like Paw Patrol.
0: He, I, I I highly recommend people who who thinks he likes the police, maybe read the comics ever. I think, I think, I think Fuck, they even will, watch the show. I, yeah, I think they will find that that's utterly true. I think they will find zero zero the police Bias 100% confirmed yeah i don't think that was one of the first comics i read of the punisher was him killing a police officer i don't think that was i don't <laughs> think no i, no, don't, I no. don't think
3: <laughs> no literal page 1
0: yeah <laughs> i don't i don't think it was exact page 1 but i do remember that like i do remember when i started realizing that that was being co-opted and being like they haven't like, I'm not a comics guy, but they're clearly not comics they're, people in that. They're
2: more they're more likely to have only read the one where he gets turned into a Frankenstein and like that's fucking sick. It's that.
0: because wielding
3: a gun and killing people unabashedly is the closest that they think they can get to being a hero. Because someone made a hero that shoots a bunch of yeah, people. That's really,
0: and that's all that they can fucking do. It's, it's the Rorschach thing where it's like, if you watch Watchmen and you like Rorschach and are like, oh, that's a badass. I love that guy. You're not getting it. Right. And, and to
2: completely circle back to what we're going to be talking about later. So how does that make me where I feel like how I feel about the question?
0: Where well, no, I, I think that's, here's the thing. I think you can watch Rorschach and be like, that's a, Cool character. I see what you did there. That that's was a fascinating lot of character. Yeah, that's a lot of cool stuff. Is he
1: a hero? Absolutely <laughs>
0: yeah. not. No, I think yeah, it's, no. I think it's a similar thing with the question where it's like, I I don't know if this is necessarily the hero I w- he, he strays into that Batman line of like, is this the hero we need or yeah. the hero we want? yeah, to to get us back into into a little bit of track though the the diggers, the ranchers, the levelers, they aren't exactly anarchists. they They probably still want some amount of class. They If you'd ask them, they probably wanted a state. but to a large degree, they were just tired of dying in the civil war that was going on. A lot of them were vets that were like, look, we're just going to settle down, which also ends up being kind of a tradition of anarchy to an extent, is that like there, there's a fair number of soldiers that get inherited into it. But it's all of that journey. is in is in the 1600s, like when America is being kind of first in inhabited by colonists and stuff. That's like the 1650s, if I remember right. Uh, the next big era of things is the 1700s as empires start to kind of come to their nadir or whatever the word, whatever as empires start to kind of reach their peak, but also the point where they're about to fall the most and revolution comes up a lot. This is when the idea that the state can be used for something other than a King starts to really get explored because this is post, post French revolution, post American revolution, uh, but more so the French one people start to question. Well, can we use this state thing to like give red to people? Can we use this state thing to like educate people? Because before this education is is a is a thing you have to pay your way into. The French Revolution is really complicated. I'm not going to go over any of it except to say that it happened for this. But the important part is that as it happens, like I said, um, lawyers and bankers, middle class people start being the people that really lead that revolution in particular, which means it also has a kind of focus on education and on enlightenment, air quote, enlightenment ideas. It's hard to call them enlightenment when a lot of the people that are writing things down own slaves as they're talking about liberty. So it's, it's, it's a very uh, hypocritical philosophy. Philosophy Tube does a good job of going over a better job of the influential philosophers like Hegel and stuff. Hegel is particularly important. Uh, he's Catherine? This, uh, no, I can't remember his first name. It's, it's some German... Hegel. Fr- Hegel. 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 It's some Hegel.
1: Hegel and Heidegger.
0: The, the only part that matters about him is he has this concept called dialectics. And this concept is that uh, you you have an idea, uh, it has its antithesis, uh, and then they come together and form a synthesis. So, idea, punching me in the face is bad. Antithesis, hugging me is good. Uh, synthesis, well, maybe I need physical affection, but definitely not a fist to the face.
2: A hug to the face.
0: Affection over aggression. Yeah. Right. Very, very simple example of how that thing works. It gets much more nuanced. And Hegel actually called it something like the master and slave dialect. Mm-hmm. Like that's why it gets extra problematic. But it influences a lot of people. One of the people uh, it will eventually influence is a guy named Marx. We are going to get to him momentarily before in the 1840s post so the french revolution happens near the end of it is this thing called the terror where they kill a bunch of people mostly poor people a fair amount of the people in charge but it's a lot of leftist pointing people the left-right distinction gets created over the course of the French Revolution, but it's a lot of people who end up being on what will be called the left, pointing fingers at each other and saying, you're betraying France, so your head needs to be taken off, and then you point the finger at someone and like, well, their head needs to be taken off, and then, all right, well, let's take off all three of our heads, and the person that's left over is like, excellent, that's just the way I planned, except with a French accent. Uh, that all gets stopped because all of Europe is like, oh shit, this, this weird system that the what the French are doing might catch on. They, they might decide, uh, they might convince other people they could kill their kings and or emperors, so we gotta put an end to it. Leads to a huge amount of war. What ends up happening is, after the French Revolution, the French end up with an emperor again, a guy named Napoleon. A uh, whole bunch of things happen. He gets deposed, and France can kind of follows this weird cycle because they've gone through at least five republics. They like to they like to reboot their system more than uh God of War. Is that a good? No. That a no God of War's oh. only been through one good reboot. Okay. Uh, um, uh, uh, honestly,
2: you, you can aptly say comic, Skyrim. Comic books. You it, yeah, comic they like to reboot are, more than DC. DC yeah, no, reboots all the fucking time. That's, yes, yep, more, that's true. more keeping they're, it in they're reference. are on their third reboot this decade.
0: I'm still, right. I'm still keeping in my God of War reference so people know I know video games. But my point is... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know video games, though, if you reference something and it's entirely... Yeah, Not and don't don't you bring up God
2: of War with me, boy. That's one of my babies. Oh Okay, that's one of my right. shits. Don't Duh. talk to me uh, comic books. Son. Comic
3: books is an exceptionally apt one, think though, because I know because a lot about
2: comic books. I know a lot of fucking video games. Bro.
3: Even a, even if you even if you take out the context of the fact that the DC universe has been rebooted, how many times have they killed someone off and brought them back? Uh, Too many. And how many times has that happened in Marvel? Who explicitly does not reboot their universe ever?
2: Yeah, they just keep. Yet they've killed
3: people off and brought them back and kept people the
0: same age. For a really long time. Unfortunately, that is not what happens over the course of French history. Everybody who dies stays dead. No, I mean, that's, that's
1: just, probably fine. Some of that might be
0: fortunate. <laughs> yeah, some of that, yeah. there's, there's a guy named Rogues that we want nothing to do with. Anyhow, uh, by the 1840s, uh, post French Revolution, they've had a couple of revolutions. They're sort of a republic, but they're like a monarchy republic. All throughout Europe in the 1840s, there's a series of revolutions, particularly in 1848. There's a guy who, in the 1840s, Proudhon, who has this this basic idea, uh, he kind of is the first person to write down anarchy, and his basic idea is, what if we just ignore all of these revolutions, right? Like, what if Paris is the largest city in Europe? What if we just do our own thing and then, like, fuck it? Like, if they send in soldiers, we're just Fuck it. Like fuck that. Like we Tell don't Tell them they, it
2: sounds like a them problem, right? Yeah, like, yeah. oh, that you guys are having a revolution? That's okay, fine. What's that gotta do with us?
0: And and what's kind of funny is this this does work at an early point during one of the Paris communes. And a commune is just a French word that just means like a, a collective of people. It's just a, a location. The the people in that commune are just the people that live together in that area. But what happens at one point when they, they kind of set up barricades against like incoming armies is that the incoming French army comes to occupy Paris. Here's what the, the Parisians have to say, they're like, actually, we're not going to fight you. We're going to join you. And so there's, there's kind of a precedence that it works. That's the only time it works, but it works at least one time. And so there's some, some notion that like, ah, oh, it's possible that we could get the people on the inside to also agree with us about ignoring things. Um, well, about ignoring the state and about living outside of it. So, This part, I highly recommend Revolutions Podcast more than just about any other resource, but I did listen to a really good interview with this guy who does kind of an anarchist history, and I'll link that in the notes It's this guy named Mark Bray. So in the 1860s, all of these revolutions in the 1848 era fail, more or less, and the dominant powers come back into play. Now, some of them try to actually placate people and are like, look, we'll institute, like, public education. There won't be a draft. We'll let you guys unionize. Others of them crack down. Like, they start organizing secret police. They start intercepting letters. Like, there, there's classic examples of people, like, sending letters out of, I think, Austria and being, knowing that it's going to be intercepted and, like, sometimes writing in, like, cheeky little notes like, dear inspector or whatever, right? Right. As as the 50s go on and progress into the 60s, uh, working organizations and organizations of working men start to form uh, on a local level and they begin forming on an international level. And in the 1860s, the, the first working men's international, which is, of course, you know, located in Europe and only composed of European bodies, but it's international in that it's, it's a bunch of people in Europe. But it, it kind of agrees to kind of organize all labors under its banners. And this is where we get introduced to Marx, uh, famously, uh, his friend Engels and another guy who's more important to today's story, Bakunin. Uh, Bakunin is, uh, this guy that was really radicalized in, in Russia. <laughs> the, the, the concept of socialism and communism doesn't exist yet. Like it hasn't been written down, but he's definitely approaching what would be a communist and or a socialist. He will eventually become kind of one of the fathers of anarchy. But uh, basically his history is he gets kind of radicalized and then gets lucky and gets put into this point in the Russian Empire where they're like they send you for punishment, but they don't actually pay attention to you. And so what ends up happening is all the political dissidents get sent there and educate each other. And so, like, there's this kind of, like, ground-level political education that you'll receive. Like, you're not going to go to a fancy school and read, like, whatever the dead Germans wrote about it. But you'll have lived experience by guys who were in unions and some dude who did read all of the pamphlets that some Enlightenment-era dude wrote. Those synthesize into the organizations that Bakunin joins. He ends up getting in trouble a bunch and kind of hops around and tries to... After the French Revolution, everybody studies the French Revolution to try to repeat it. But one of the issues is the French Revolution, like the big revolution is with Louis and and the guillotine and Marie Antoinette is a very specific set of circumstances however like you look at it and you'll be like oh I see similarities to a disaffected people in power and I see where the people are like not even getting bread and like let them eat cake is apocryphal it never happened but that situation and the the idea that people are so poor that the rich would be like well no just let them let them eat what we force them to make us that thing starts being reflected to other people in their own situations enough that it can be kind of researched. And there's a lot of people who become kind of professional revolutionaries, especially because in the late 18. 18- or in the late 1700s and early 1800s, especially in South America, there's a lot of revolutions going on. And you can literally just go there and be like, hi, I want to sign up for the Bolivian Revolution or whatever. There, there's an episode we'll do someday about a cool dude named McGregor. McGregor goes around and cons a bunch of people in this era. But focusing on today, Bakunin gets this informal education, but is a very smart guy. He joins up at some point with Marx and these other guys in this large, and I'm skipping a lot of history, but it's unions that consolidate unions and a lot of people seeing what happened during all of these revolutions that failed and kind of comparing notes and being like, well, some of this stuff we can just do and they can't stop us. Like We can just hang out. And worst case scenario, if they try to stop us, like that actually incentivizes other people to want to join us the international is problematic in a lot of ways because like i said it's only in europe it's only these it's it doesn't include a lot of unions and bakunin uh, who is this one personality and marx who is another major personality but heads ironically they agree about a lot of the stuff marx writes down and this is the fun part where i butcher a lot of marx but basically Marx is one of these guys that looks at these notes and compares all these things and starts thinking, oh, there has to be a scientific approach to how revolutions happen. Science in terms of, like, Newtonian physics, as in if you do A, then B happens, and C has to happen. There are also guys who exist who are kind of pushing ideals, and that's more what uh, Bakunin is into where he's like, if I go and tell people about these things, then we can start these organizations and then they'll start doing like, they'll start unionizing or they'll start taking on revolutionary aspects. Marx's whole theory of, of that he writes into the theory of capitalism is basically history is following a sort of narrative and that the narrative follows the means of production. And instead of like doing 35 minutes on that, Basically, the whole concept is just the tools, the place, and the people. And whoever owns those things in combination has the most power. In proto-history, it's supposedly shared amongst people. In kind of medieval era, the the aristocracy has ownership of the land, but the people and the tools are kind of in their own ownership. And under capitalism, as we discussed earlier, like the mode is to... I'm doing a really bad job of this. I know, like... No, I
1: think you're simplifying it pretty well. Because, I mean, it's just about... I was thinking about how I imagine he took a lot of influence from the theory of evolution and Darwinism. Because he's probably looking... Because, like, he wants to have a through line. He wants to be able to explain all of them. And so he's basically trying to create an evolutionary uh, timeline for capital and power structures. Yes,
0: yeah. and his end, his end game with that is where we get socialism from. And his end game is like, look, all of this wealth is going to – we're going to be able to extract wealth from the wealthy. It's going to have to be redistributed. Eventually, there's going to be so much, the people are going to acquire it, and then everyone will own the means of production. It will be a socialized system. And that's really what that means. is just like everybody in ownership – and, and it's also where we get the word bourgeoisie, which uh, – or bourgeois. I can I, – I always it get It doesn't a, matter. French words a, are yeah, disgusting. That's all the same. I, I get them mixed up, but it really We should means, all be
1: embarrassed we know any French words. It
0: means oh when you God. hear that, middle-class wealthy people, bankers, lawyers. Pundits uh, on
1: TV. Yeah. Mm.
0: Pe- people who are who are wealthy enough to want to stay wealthy and comfortable, but aren't necessarily laborers and aren't necessarily the people who own everything. And Marx's big thing was that the the revolution into capitalism had been, in particular, a bourgeoisie or whatever, a revolution of the middle class, that they gained the most power and the most rights. And his kind of thinking was that inevitably empathy would win out and they would be like, oh, workers are going to want to be here. And then when that happens, everyone is going to look at the people with all the money and be like, well, we need them to be on par with us. That's messed up that they own all of the things that we own. That, that's, a, that's a bad system. And then eventually we will live in, in community, in, in communism again.
1: I think a lot of Marx's failings come in the fact that he refused to look at anything outside of class. Yeah. So that was one of his big problems. And Assuming that empathy is what fixes it, yes, it does. But assuming that a lack of empathy is what's keeping it the way it is is unfair. If you only, but he's only looking through the financial lens.
0: Yeah, and the other thing that he gets wrong, I, I think, real specifically, is that he's assuming humanity follows the the this like through there's line. an
1: actual through line, yeah. and like there's like. He's assuming we're right Pikachu and then we need to be right yeah. or something.
0: And right. And, and because of that, and also you that that means that you can't apply it to other places. Like if you go to the Congo, none of the, that does that mean that we need them to become like we need them to follow the stages that Europe applying. Yeah, followed? you
1: can't skip steps. His thing is like you can't skip, yeah. steps, skip steps
0: either. And so Bakunin's big deal is like, well, that seems. That seem a lot of that seems accurate. Your your Bakunin thing was like your your assumptions about history are accurate, but your your interpretations about a lot of the rest of it are not. You're
1: applying it to ideology is where it's falling yeah. flat.
0: Yeah, and his and but one of the things I appreciate at least as I have understood Bakunin and I, I've read a passage of a passage and then just read about him from other people. But one of the things I get the impression of is that he didn't blame capitalists the same way. Like to him, it was like, well, of course, you're going to want to keep doing. Why would you want to lose power? Who wants to lose power? That's ridiculous. Yeah, when you get it, you want to hold on to it. Yeah. You want to keep it. And so, of course, you're not going to just. I'll just hand over the keys to the kingdom. Like, so he's like, no, you have to take those things from them. Like, it's not their fault that they're that way. That's just human whatever, but you've got to. You've got to respond appropriately. Another big distinction is that Marx's kind of big idea was that you would form a political party that would pull everyone to it and make them do the things. And Bakunin is much like, no, you just do shit. Like, you just show up and if we need... I think Emma Goldman has a better quote about it, but it's like, ask for bread. And if they won't give you bread, ask for work. And if they won't give you work, take the bread. Like, I think Bakunin would agree with that pretty pretty much on the through line. His his big failing is that, like, Marx's big failing, I think, as, as a human being is a lot of things, but is that he doesn't take good care of himself. Or good care, yeah, good care of himself. And he'll, like, drink and smoke all the time.
1: Wasn't he an in insult?
0: No, he was married, but he definitely had, like, a weird relationship with One of with those wives.
1: philosophers around that time he yeah. wasn't in, so... But,
0: but Bakun, his big thing is he's, like, always trying to start revolutions, and he's always, like, forming secret societies, and there's always, like, like it's it's not perfect, but he becomes one of the Does big... He, is
1: he kind of like the Charlie Day in front of the bulletin board vibe a lot yeah, of the time? Yeah, a
0: little bit, but he's okay. but he's also, I think, like, more on the ground and more like, no, you got to go do this thing. Yeah, and and Marx gets famous for being the one. I think because a lot of people who are middle class can hear the ideas of Marx and be like, "Oh yeah, we should join a political party and then vote the fascists away." But fascism didn't really exist in in 1860, like authoritarianism did. But the the ideology and the the mechanisms of fascism. The next big integration is because in the 1860s, the international does get taken down. There's a whole bunch of politics. Uh, Marx and Bakunin start off friends and then start butting heads for a bunch of reasons. Marx is also like a really obnoxious personality. It's like science is absolutely the way. Are so you heard. telling
1: me that philosophers are difficult to deal with?
0: Are you telling me the left splintered off on philosophical ideologies because yeah. one person wanted more power are than another person? Are you telling me a-
1: that men who think they're smarter <laughs> than everyone else are the fucking worst?
2: I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Just do the math, it checks out. I mean, don't get me wrong. Me.
1: I'm not saying women aren't guilty of those same things, but boy howdy, a man who thinks he's right is unfucking
0: There is a reason they call it mansplaining. Looks Lick, mm-hmm. at the last hour and 15 minutes of audio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whoa! Adjust time. Baba
1: booing. Got you so
0: good. <sniffs> Wait, is this a call-out? Are you calling him out for all this? Yeah, this is <laughs> well, yes
2: I, I, I
0: invited you guys to my own intervention. <laughs>
2: No, so but I mean, that's why I was told well, to I mean, read
0: this letter. I do, I do okay, try to be, love you. <laughs> I do try to be conscientious that like I don't know everything, and I really do want to be a starting off point for people. That's why I'm always like, no, go listen to revolutions because Mike Duncan does a really in depth. I listened to his thing about Bakunin last night to make sure what did I forget and that like one of I those. Keep th-
1: on thinking he's going to be a vampire with that name. I
0: know. Uh, I keep on cool thinking ass you're
1: ass meaning name. to
3: say Buchanan. <laughs>
1: And I'm like, what's going uh, on? Are you using the Spanish word for vaccine? vacuna?
0: <laughs> uh, they, they have a political falling out where Marx kind of steals power. Uh, his, his half of it. Basically, he does like a voting maneuver where they're like, let's have a big meeting. And uh everybody's invited, including Bakunin, who's like in Italy, the meetings in England. Everyone who's here, let's vote on who gets left in and who gets oh, you can't vote on being left in, okay, you're voted out, kinda of deal. So like Oh my god. Yeah. So they have a falling out because of that. The international ends up becoming a thing. At some point it moves to New York. Uh ends up influencing uh future episodes of the IWW that's where the, the it, wobblies baby yeah because they're supposed to be the ne- one of the next iterations of the working international working men's association or whatever and blah 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 1860s lead to eventually the 1880s there's like usually a decade of it's simmering, like 20 years yeah well usually no, I'm like, just, you're
1: like the 1840s led into the
0: 1860s well no there because there's like a decade in the middle of like kind of a bunch of shit that happens and these philosophies get formed like like the communes in Paris end up happening where they, they man up and take the city and put barricades into place. I think that's in the 1850s. And then the results of that is where the political philosophies of the 1860s come from. And then those get enacted on in the 1870s. And then there's a whole new group of people in like the 1880s who have reactions to that. Also, by the eighteen eighties, the American Civil War is over, and a lot of the people that had left and gone—there's a lot of uh, a lot of leftist people who left to go join and fight on the side of the North to fight against slavery. Like people legit showed up and were like, "No, we're against slavery. This shit is bad." Like, what do you what do you do? We've we've manned barricades before. What do you like? It didn't. Didn't go great for them. But by that point, they've also come and seen what America has to present and offer and kind of integrated that into their system. That's when previous friend of the show uh, Peter Kropotkin, comes along and he's In kind of... What
1: episode was he from?
0: Uh, he was a Insider Special Patron episode where I read... I, I have a book uh, called Defiance that's quotes of uh anarchists who were arrested. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I read that and then I was like, oh, I didn't put any context to who he was. So Patrons, it, it, people who want to become patrons, sometimes I do exclusives when I remember like, regularly. I'm trying not to make eye contact with butter, so I don't have to feel bad that I don't do it every month because <laughs> it's supposed to be like a monthly thing. And I'll be like, "Oh shit, I haven't done it." in Yeah, three that's months.
2: one thing to look forward to every month. So when you don't do it, I have a really bad time. I,
1: I, I have it. a hard time believing that's the case. <laughs> don't do I this will to try Pat to remember. This week.
0: No, I, 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 I'm trying to be more conscientious about remembering, and so like I am do trying, it for the gram. Yeah, but Peter Kapenke is an anarchist who follows a similar he's literally born a prince in russia but the way things in russia are you can be poor as fuck and still be a prince and so he he tries to get like a job in the government like a, a position in ministry and ends up getting sent to one of these like like ends up finding out about anarchist literature ends up thinking like it's super dope ends up getting caught Sent to one of these locations where, like, it's sort of punishment, but because he's wealthy, like, it's not the worst punishment, and like, it's also sort of a job. So, he gets to educate himself on all of this stuff, and he's also, like, uh, really into science. Like, he ends up uh, taking some of the works of Darwin and really running with it, from what I understand, if I remember correctly. But the important part about him is he goes around and spreads this kind of concept of anarchism. The,
1: That's a vibe. You yeah, know? It's,
0: he, well, he, he just goes around and, like, sets up little communes and, like, gets shit started. But he's one of the ones that kind of institutes the formula. Bakunin comes up with this idea that uh, we will take over the system, and when that happens, uh, people will get according to their contributions. But uh, Kropemkin comes along and is like, what if, what if, to each according to their abilities and to each according to their needs, you know? Because what if, let's say, there's a person missing three vertebrae, can't operate the bread threshers, right? All
1: right. This is starting to sound personal.
0: Well, he's going somewhere with this. <laughs> or let us say I, I am a lady and don't have man parts. And for some reason, that's a requirement for a job. I don't How, I was, why are
1: we making it like this? Let's we all have, know our genitals are weird, okay? Let's,
0: let's say you have glasses and you can't do a job that requires exact eyesight. You shouldn't be required to contribute in that fashion, but that doesn't mean that you should be required to have less.
1: Can I just like scoop out someone's eyeballs who are better and pop them in?
0: Also,
2: Not uh, how eyeballs the work. two people with glasses in this room are also artists, which you could argue
0: requires your <laughs> eyesight.
1: Oh my god, good <laughs> you thing I don't do that. any fine detail. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: but we make modifications so you can... I like, okay, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I am a mech. But that is, that is Kropemkin's big influence is that he adds that thing about it being... Each
1: according yeah. to their blah, blah, blah from their blah, blah, blah. Yeah.
0: And he also does a ton of writing, makes it more accessible to people because uh, Bakunin writes it really like radical, like you got to fucking murder the people in power. And Marx writes it more scientific so that it's kind of boring. That's that's not the whole story of anarchy, right? There is there's a lot of influence on early American labor movement, uh the wobblies, as we mentioned. A lot of them are like, let's murder the capitalists and then make it a society that's that's free of class and hierarchy. Um uh, there there was what we mentioned Pan Africanism. I've heard various models of of both they had philosophies that were similar to anarchism in in African culture anyhow, but also I've heard about it in relation to the African diaspora, which is to catch listeners up, the condition of being enslaved brought to the Americas what is your homeland at that mm-hmm. point you're not you're not Just gone think and, of
1: any F- refugee community as yeah. well they usually are parts of diaspora yeah, yeah. Well. so
0: that that's what the i didn't know what the word diaspora meant until until the claudia jones episode i thought it i didn't learn I, it till college yeah i'd always i'd always assumed it meant the experience but i didn't know the exact word and it's specifically the experience for people without a homeland trying to find kind of their place in the world. And that intersecting a lot with anarchist ideals because it's like, well, if we don't have a homeland, isn't wherever we are our homeland? Isn't that what, what matters?
1: The word diaspora is kinda like that. It's yeah. like I think we would we would all know that concept, but we wouldn't know that's the word for it.
0: So as the the cause it kinda overlaps a little bit with the story of what's going on in comics, but where I wanna kinda end the major themes of anarchy is there's three major series of of world events influenced sort of the philosophy the concept and less so the perception but more the idea one is like i mentioned the american labor movement most of it is vastly decentralized at some point i want to do an episode on the labor wars that occurred in the united states where there were a bunch of people who were like coal miners uh uh loggers and other institutions basically literally getting into shootouts with people. There's, like, airplanes used and bombing runs and shit. And they don't end until the U.S. government shows up and is like, all right, we are putting a fucking end to your little war between the two of you. Uh, And that goes on in places as near here as uh, Everett. It's pretty close
1: to Olympia, yeah? Okay,
0: yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. But also, uh, Cold Mountain is the most famous one. And there's also uh, a famous minor strike in Colorado where this happens, where... Probably one of the most famous, actually, incidents is the Haymarket Incident, where uh, speakers for anarchy or, or people who are speaking about socialism in general, the idea that, like, all of these things should be owned in community by the community. At some point, somebody throws a bomb into the crowd of this speech, and it ends up being marked as the Haymarket Affair. Nobody knows exactly uh, a lot of people think it was agent provocateurs, i.e., the police or somebody working for them. There is some evidence that it may have just been a dude who was like, fuck it, I'm gonna throw a bomb at the cops, fuck them. And like that sets off the whole thing, so, so the but that sets off a perception that anarchists are these people who are just going to bomb things one that's that's uh kind of repudiated and uh, or or confirmed because in France before the first world war there is this form activist is the wrong word for it but there's these dudes that will just find comfy wealthy people and just throw bombs into their cafes and Insurgent. walk away. Yeah.
1: Probably would be the right way to I describe guess, that. I guess, but I mean, that's a loaded term.
0: Because, like, oftentimes there'll be people who have lived in Paris, worked in Paris. Okay. And they'll live in the shitty conditions of poverty and be like, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to bomb people who live better than me.
1: Well, At then... a certain
2: point, you do kind of feel like that's the answer.
0: Yeah. And so... Go ahead. Ask how I know.
1: well and it makes me think like one of the first acts of terrorism on the books was that dude who put those bombs in front of like the stock exchange i think it was some italian dude and i think it was either here or it was in italy oh yes i learned about it italian
0: job (laughs) i learned
1: about it in my one of my european history classes in college yeah, but he that professor also taught a history of terrorism course. So okay. I think that was how he started it was talking about that specific
0: the the French already had that perception of their anarchists because of it, and then the Haymarket affair happens and basically everyone's like, Oh, anarchists don't want anything except explosions. Like that's all that's all they care about is blowing shit up. They don't actually want a new order, they just want to blow up the order that is. So that's So where, that's
2: where that stereotype started. Yeah that, yeah, that
0: starts there more than anything else. The next kind of two major and and again, my history of Southeast Asia is is really I know there's some major events that happen there that really inform a lot of the concepts and that end up being kind of taken over by either the Communist Party or capitalists kinda come in and capitalist nations come in. Come in, in and
1: co opt that violence that's already occurring. Yeah.
0: So but but I'm not as as familiar with that. But the two Other things that really influence uh, kind of people's perceptions of anarchists and also the philosophy of what they should do. The Russian uh, Revolution, right? And the Russian Revolution spans a lot of, like, not just the Russian, like, kind of region, but a bunch of what will eventually become European nations. Places like Ukraine, uh, what's the one with the dictator Uh, 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 that's right above Ukraine starts to B.
1: Belarus? Yeah,
0: Belarus. A lot of those other places are under Russian control. As the Tsar falls, it kind of the control obviously falls as well. You have the the Bolsheviks who are these people who believe in what Marx has written down, like his his kind of formula, and they're like, well, we can take some elements of that and then we're going to modify it to like murder people. Or, it's not exactly what Lenin did, but that's approximately what Lenin wanted to do, but that's not exactly an approximation. It's just he took the idea that there should be a political party and organization and was like, oh, we can also use this to do revolutions and shit but while that's going on there are other forces inside of Russia that are fighting each other and oftentimes what will happen is groups start autonomously realizing like well we've had these anarchist lessons why do we need a new why do we need a new political party why don't we just skip to the part where we own everything and there are places like Ukraine is run at one point by a variety of anarchists like i know that's kind of a misnomer to be like it's run by anarchist but it's there the, there's this dude um that robert evans did a really good episode of behind the bastards on but i've heard other places who's like basically like just gets in constant shootouts and is is, is like uh also like a living library like he just is like getting in shootouts with the authoritarian russians and is also like quoting books at people and stuff the, what a
2: nerd i would love to see
0: that yeah, I'll I'll refer you to the episodes. It's just, just
2: blowing holes in people and then just being like, it was the best of times. It was <laughs> the worst of times.
0: Am I right? <laughs> exactly. And he uh, uh, – It's kind of the question.
2: It's <laughs> kind of
3: the question.
0: That's a very question vibe. <laughs> and so uh, what ends up happening, though, is the communists take over. When they win, they eventually either conquer or incorporate the anarchists that hold out and that's what the the commune again is just a word that just means like the organization when russia has its revolution there's a whole bunch of shit that goes on but the most important part is the, at points anarchy does rule people run things through it's anarchy the system that's in place Yeah, through mutual aid through they don't they don't have an exact like there are people who are like oh that's the anarchy leader but that's people from the outside coming in saying Who's the leader and people being like, Well, he just likes talking to you assholes. So so Right. So it's he just gets he gets dubbed the leader by outsiders. But then these are oftentimes also people who are like, No, 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 I'm not the leader. I'm just the one talking to you kind of thing. The um, yeah. And then the next the next No v- French. The next big innovation before we get into our yeah. kind of comic book portion of the thing is the Spanish Civil War, which you mentioned, and that's the first time fascism tries to take over a country, and it's the the response is anarchists all over the world are like have been paying attention to fascism, fascism specifically being the idea uh, the the authoritarian program of like uh, patriarchal rule, i.e., like the 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 Nazi shit, the idea of the like supreme leader. And, like, military might and, like... In-group,
1: out-group, out-group must be destroyed.
0: Yeah, that kind of shit really gets its first kind of rough draft trial run in the Spanish Civil War. We're not going to cover the Spanish Civil War, but the important thing about it is that it calls in anarchists. A lot of anarchists fight, and in a lot of instances, anarchists um, win battles. And a similar thing, there's even... One of the cool things that's worth listening to in the show, Cool People Who Do Cool Stuff, there's an anarchist Olympics where they're like, look, the Olympics are basically about capitalist nations saying we've produced the best athlete. What if like, nah, no, we just come and like, who likes to run? Like it's, it's, it's more nuanced than that, but it's like, let's hang out at the fascist attack during the anarchist Olympics. And they're like, well, as long as we're here anyway, and we do want to kill fascists, I well,
2: well, might as well.
0: So those, those informed feeling pan- a little spoiled, <laughs> obviously the anarchists end up getting betrayed. Fascism wins. It's, it's happy ending for, for everybody. But these three events, the Haymarket affair, the fact that it's, associated with communism, even though the communists really hate the anarchists, because communism, the way Lenin envisioned it, and then Stalin ends up taking over it, is very hierarchical. And it has not necessarily it has a class system where workers are in a place and the government officials are in a place and then prisoners are in a place. And it's also very much based on a state authority having control of your life from, you know, all the way over there as opposed to all the way over here. Mm. And then the Spanish Civil War, uh, influences kind of people's perception in that they're like, oh, anarchists are willing to fight fascists. So, so they and fascists in conflict must mean they are the opposite of fascism, which ends up being where we get the popular concept of the horseshoe theory of like, oh, both, both sides have, have good people on both sides. So they're bad Trump impersonation. Um, there are. Yeah, Wait. There are better examples and uses of anarchy in, in the 1900s as history goes on. South America experiments with a lot of stuff. Pablo Ferry, the guy who wrote the book, The the Pedagogy of the Oppressed, I don't think he would have identified as an anarchist, but a lot of that book influences anarchist thinkers and is influenced by anarchist actions. That That's the broad history of anarchy. So... Fun! Fun! Is there a comic book
2: version of this?
0: There is not, although there is a couple of really cool... Dr. Mark Bray has written a a comprehensive history on Antifa, the concept of anti-fascism, which is not the same as anarchy, i.e. the the system with no leader, but they definitely have a lot of crossover and that they're both against the concept...
1: They're like two of the same... One's a care bear and one's a care cousin. Very
0: much so, yeah. You don't get anti-fascism without fascism. And so like it just, it just it doesn't exist one without the other. But anarchy as a philosophy, I, the, the one thing I would say personally for me about anarchy is that I see it more as a religious concept in in the same way I think a lot of people may be in the vision heaven where I'm like, I don't know that we'll ever actually get there. And I don't think getting there solves problems because then you even if we abolish class and hierarchy, we still have to deal with issues of gender of uh racial in like racial discrimination disabilities
1: yeah. uh right yeah stuff yeah like
0: it, that. yeah there, there's but
1: i swear to god if you start to sound like my american history teacher in college who made us read a uh utopia book but it was a bunch of men stumbling out of behind um, a civilization of just women and the <laughs> takeaway for the book is like well they fixed everything so what's the point I swear to God, Pat, if that's what you're trying no, to say me right now. I don't, I don't think that's mind. the avenue
0: they're going down. I mean, I would, I would love <laughs> to stumble upon a civilization just saying, slippery, of just slow. Slow. women and be Dead.
1: left. No, it's, <laughs> it's especially great because the women figured out how to have babies on their own. Like, they can oh, just yeah. cook their own babies. Oh, yeah. then, I was then like, That's They just dope. cook their
2: own babies.
1: Mm.
0: They, they just pop them into the oven. Yeah, just, just turn the oven to. They, they, I see this. You setting. set
2: the oven to birth.
0: Yeah, it's bake, broil, birth. And I love how it's <laughs> like they
1: clearly don't make any boys. Like there's no there's no boy babies. It's well, just you all Girl babies. I do.
0: I do find it funny that it's like. Well, if you if you if you had I how often we've been like well if you only have one gender like clearly women are the superior gender and yet we're still like yeah but let's let men run everything like how often has women being the I don't
1: think there's a superior gender I, don't think I there just is think either. if you are the if you are a class of people that has been oppressed more <laughs> On the whole, you likely will make some better decisions because you do know what it's like. Yeah, you're more likely to be like,
2: "I've had this happen to me. I don't want this to happen to somebody else. Let's just make that not a thing we do." Now then, you have people
1: like Candace Owens are like, "Nah, let's dig that deeper." I don't think
2: everybody should experience this trauma. It's called character development, and also
1: I need it so that I can make more money. Sorry, Uh, Pat. Oh
0: no, no, I was uh, pressing it. I was I I lost my phone. It's fine. Thank you for sticking around for all part one of what is being called JLA, but the A is for anarchy. Uh, this episode, I hope, kind of gives you uh, a good starting point if you want to explore a little bit more of the areas of history that we discuss. One of the more interesting characters that I've heard a number of people talk about is a guy named Nestor Machno, who. Uh, Machno? Uh, pretend I said it with a Russian accent. Uh, he'll be one of the things I link in the, the the stuff to the links. But I hope this gives you a good episode, good place to start off if you want to look into some history. Um, the Diggers in particular, if you are a Christian uh, listener, the Diggers, the Ranchers, the Levelers had some really cool stuff. Uh, that were, were, I guess, rooted in biblical teachings at the time. That might be a fun area for you to explore. Part two will be about uh, comics, uh, and also the superhero shows in particular that I'm going to talk about. So, without further ado, I just wanted to thank all of our executive producers, a.k.a. the patrons. Look, if you the model for this podcast is very simple. If you can't afford to to pay that's fair i can't afford to pay for any of the podcasts or a lot of the resources i use uh, and so i understand how it feels to be grateful but that's why i pass the word along to you about all the shows i listen to and i would appreciate if you do the same and then if you can then like you're one of the cool people that get to make it so that everyone gets a podcast uh and so thank you and a little oh a little shout out to them And here's a list of this episode's executive producers. Sabrina Phillips, thank you very much. Of note, Sabrina Phillips is one of our only listeners across the pond in Ireland. Uh, Edwin Shives, thank you very much. Stephanie Oxford, shout out to your union. Uh, Whitney Hampson, uh, thank you very much. Nova Starless, thank you for inspiring this episode. Rob Campbell, thank you for uh, supporting this episode. Andrea Miller, thank you for your continued support. If you get a chance, Andrea Miller has uh, had... Some hard times. If you could hit her up uh, with some fundage, that would be awesome. Uh, ben Menard, thank you for your support. Kristen Rowan, thank you for your support. I hope I hope the kids are well. Linda Grimes, thank you for your support and and and, and everything. Butterface Creations, thank you for your support and for being a guest on this episode. Carrie Davis, thank you uh, as well for supporting the show. Erica and my stepsister from a different not a mister yeah that's fine i'm 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 not going to edit that out even the awkward silence thank you very much thank you always ash alexander and your lovely uh so and so lovely wife and chella l the person who last year donated to a homeless charity because they listened when i said Please go out and do nice things for other. Don't leave me a message on social media saying happy birthday. If you want to become a patron and you happen to leave it in there, I will accept that. Uh, until next time, you know, from each according to their ability to each according to their need. Remembered my joke, which was that I don't think this is superior gender. I just think one is definitely the worst. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: that's
0: Thank you for picking up Recyclables today. Donations to the ACAST streaming service are, of course, always welcomed, but the best way to support the show is by going to patreon.com forward slash Recyclables and becoming a patron today. If you can't do that, another great way is by liking, subscribing, sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast on whatever podcast listening service you use. Alright, thanks.